Hi, welcome to the Guys from Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith, and today's the day. We're finally getting back to your actual questions, and to kick it off, we're going to answer Evan's question, which is, what are your, your Guys from Top 10 crime movies? Oh man, David, it's been so long since we've answered a question. <laughs> I know. Well, because even before Christmas, were they were they Christmas? Our Christmas-related ones, was that actually like something that people asked us or did we just decide to do another like weird Christmas no, present I d- one? I just decided to do the most expensive Christmas presents because people seem to like a game. Yeah. Like and the, that because... was nice. Yeah. That was an easy one to do before Christmas. And so it's been a good couple months since we've been able to answer people's actual questions. Other than the fact, and we, I say this every time yeah. you bring this up, we have been asked all of the stuff we've been doing for the last like month before, and we've just made it an annual thing because y- y'all seem to like it, and we enjoy doing it, so yay. Mm-hmm. But I'd say every episode, just two guys answering the internet's questions, and we haven't done it <laughs> since fucking November. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so it's nice to get to it. And Evan texted a while back and actually texted me, which was kind of exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, this is a Dave request. Yeah, yeah. So so he asked me for this. So I'm like, I'm I'm very happy to, I was very happy to bring this one to Sean being like, look, I've got one. We need to do this. So. Uh, is that what I have to title this episode? Uh, the guy's Dave top got a request, 10 so now crime we have movies, to do it. bracket, Dave request three, close bracket. <laughs> If you want, that's fine by me. I'm going to write that down. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> One of those things that you'll forget if you don't. Yep. Over uh, to Dave, request three. Kate. Got her? Yep. Super. So, so, can you describe exactly what it is Evan asked? Well, because he. We, we asked for clarification because Dave's top... Or Dave's top ten crime movies. <laughs> get those. <laughs> but, like, the guy's top ten crime movies. And then we're like, well, crime. What do we do? Because this could mean a lot of stuff. So we asked yeah. for clarification, and we got... Uh, now that I think about it, it could be pretty broad. But, like, anything centered around crime, gangsters, or heists. So, so that was our criteria for this yeah. list, which means this is going to largely be a greatest hits for both of us yeah. when it comes to movie talk, because a lot of my favorite movies and Dave's favorite movies apply into those categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I think, and I had to leave some off that I was just going, oh my god, I only have room for ten and a couple honorable mentions. So how do I leave some of these guys off? And it hurt to to remove some, but... When you only have ten, that's that's the nature of the of the beast. But I'm really happy with my top ten because there's some really good crime and and some of it's like kidnapping and heists and like kind of mob type movies and yeah. So it kind of runs the gamut of what parameters we were given. Yeah, I was I went through. I obviously use IMDb. I use IMDb to help me build all of the lists because mm-hmm. I rate everything I've seen to give mm-hmm. me a, a cumulative list. Almost at thirty five hundred. Woo. Woo! Um, <laughs> getting there. There, they have like genre descriptions on mm-hmm. a whole bunch of their movies, and some of the movies that they have under crime. Oh man, it felt like a stretch. Yeah, I because I I did kind of the same thing. I googled just crime movies just to see what what would pop up, and I mean a lot of them I would have come up, come to on my own. 
But then there was a the first link was somebody had made a list of the hundred best crime movies on IMDb, okay, sure. and so I clicked on it, and I there was some that was like hell yeah, of course that is. But then there was stuff like Batman, which I kind of get, but I don't consider Batman a crime movie. I consider that a superhero movie. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a crime movie. I had. I, my one of my first thoughts was the Dark Knight because that heist is amazing at the beginning and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I'm like, do I feel that that is a crime movie? Yeah. No. But it sorta is. Yeah. But it's about Batman, so. Yeah, and so. This was an interesting one, and even looking at this list, I'm I'm not I I feel like all of them fit in fit within the parameters of a crime movie because of either the heist or whatever the the case is but at the same time an argument could be made against some of them as well but it's my goddamn list and i i feel like i'm pretty happy about it yeah you tell those imaginary <laughs> contrarians Fuck <'em>. right exactly <laughs> and yeah, because uh, oh go ahead sorry my my list is largely the same and mm-hmm. the way we always do this is to make sure that we don't talk about crossovers like it for example, Dave's number one is lower on my list. So to make sure that I don't talk about it at the point of my list so we could talk about it as the surprise, yeah. air quotes around surprise, when we get to number one, one of us always spoils the other. And I could tell yeah. you right now that I feel like fewer people will have stress with your list than they will with mine. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. However, it's my list, goddammit. So I can right? put what exactly. I want on it. And if I can justify it in my head and it makes it feel like a crime movie, it's on this list. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel. And we can talk about it when we get to each movie and, and decide whether or not it is a crime movie. That that could be half the fun. Sounds now, good to me. It'll be hard for me because I'm sure I haven't seen all your movies. But whatever. We'll cross that those bridges when we get to them. Actually, I think this list has the potential to be your most ever seen. Nice. Okay. Cause, so yeah. I've seen like four of them. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I know that you have seen probably... M- I'm going to go over under eight. Nice. Okay, cool. Then uh, let's let's start this. I'm Sweet. very excited to see your list. Hear your list. And because Sean beat me in a bench pressing competition, I have to go first. Yeah, all that time I did. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, way to tie it in. (laughs) My first honorable mention is a movie that I have mentioned from time to time. Um, It is called Rafifi. It is a French movie. It's a French heist movie. It is black and white, so it's been a while. 1955, it came out. And everybody in it I have never really heard of. But I saw it in a friend's film class once because I would just go and watch the films and then yeah, of course. not come back the the following class for the lecture because I didn't give a crap about that. I just wanted to go watch some cool films. Uh, so this is a heist film, and I think, if I remember correctly, they rob a jewelry store. But what I really... what One of the reasons why I keep coming back to this movie, and I haven't seen it in, I would say, 14 years, but the reason why I keep coming back to this one is one of the ones I love so much is because the heist itself... The entire 15, 20 minutes that the scene takes place of the heist, there is no dialogue. There is sound because there's the sound of the drills being done and, like, people 
whatever jobs they needed to do in order to make sure that the heist was done, that would be the sound you would hear, but that was it. You did not hear, there was no dialogue, no soundtrack. It was just quiet, except for the sound of people working. And it was very cool. I I thoroughly enjoyed it and would love to find a, a way to see that again. I can't, I'm sure at some point it will be on TCM or something akin to that. But, hey man, since we've started doing this and you told me about that movie, I obviously keep an eye out for it. It has not come is on. Is that right, hey? Because <laughs> yeah. this sounds so it's super one... cool. This is something that I haven't seen and I'd love to, but... Yeah. I, no I really think you would dig it, Sean. Like, this, just based on all the different criteria and and just everything that happens in it, I really think you dig this. And I think once you <laughs> once you find that it's on TCM, because inevitably it should at some point, but when you when it is you need to let me know so that way i can pvr it and also watch it okay um but yeah it's rafifi it's it's a french film made 50 in in 55 and it is it is an awesome heist movie and i'm really happy to have that one kick off our top well guys from top 10 yep guys from 10 12 things (laughs) my number 12 is infernal affairs all right originally known as mogan dao I did not have this in the over-under 8, obviously, because I know you haven't seen it. Dave, you like The Departed, right? I do. Cool. This is the movie that uh, Scorsese remade. Oh, okay. Infernal Affairs is The Departed set in Hong Kong. Cool. Because this was the first one. It came out in 2002, then Scorsese remade it into a Boston mob story. Sure. So originally it's a Hong Kong mob story. Same basic premise. If you've seen The Departed, you, you know the story. Uh, you oh, even yeah. know some of the shots because Marty lifted some and just redid them shot for shot. <laughs> really? Yeah. So now was he stealing or kind of doing an homage? Like, was it uh, a Magnificent Seven where you take this film that's been done in a different setting and kind of make it your own, but still make it a really good one? Or is it just like, nobody's going to have seen Infernal Affairs, so I'm just going to steal this and make it my own? Oh, no, it, it is like... Yeah. When The Departed was coming out, it mm-hmm. was sold as a remake of this Hong Kong movie. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, he wasn't trying to hide it. He's like, oh, okay. I, this is a great story, I'm remaking it. He adds, like, an hour to it, because Infernal Affairs is, like, an hour and 40 minutes long. Oh, wow. Yeah, same story. That's, that's fantastic. Because, I mean, I love The Departed, but it, it, it does run a little long. Now, it drags a bit. It's good, and I that's not to say I don't like it, it's just, that's... At a certain point, I'm like, okay, yeah, this could have been shorter. An hour 40 is almost perfect for that. Yeah. So I'm not going to say much else. It's not the easiest movie to find, but it is on TV occasionally just okay. because it is such a, a well-known and huge Hong Kong film and it, because it was remade by Martin Scorsese. So sure. my number 12 is Infernal Affairs. Cool. My second honorable honorable mention, or number 11, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, it's the most recent movie on my list, insofar Ooh. as it's the one that I watched last night. It is <laughs> North by Northwest, which can kind of be considered a crime movie, but it's also more of a mistaken identity movie. Um, yeah, and but kind it's of a, centered around a crime. Yeah, it's also... So... That's one of the, one of the reasons why I put it as my honorable mention, and also just because it is so fresh. I don't know. I'm still absorbing that movie, and don't know where it would rank in my list. I still don't think it would beat any of my top ten. But I really enjoyed the movie, and just kind of wanted to talk about the fact that I've finally seen this classic Cary Grant movie. Sure. Yeah. 
But yeah, basically, for those who haven't seen it, those of you who are like me who have not seen it, or up until yesterday had not seen it, basically it's um it's a guy who gets kidnapped, and because the the people his kidnappers believe he is somebody else, and then he basically he gets. I don't even know the best way to, to say this without giving too much away. But basically, it's a, yeah, it's a case of mistaken identity, and he tries to clear his name. And as a result, he kind of goes all over uh, the United States to try and kind of to, to escape the people who are chasing him, but also to find the person that they think he actually is so he can clear this up. And yes. as a result, he gets... Well, I mean... Most anybody who is a film buff will have seen the scene where he is trying to, where he's he's escaping the plane. So, like that is definitely something that that is classic cinema. And yeah. I know there's been, like there's there's been other movies and TV shows that have that have kind of referenced the North by Northwest, them climbing out Mount Rushmore. Like there's a lot of things that have been lifted from this movie that have made their way into other pop culture. Tons. So. It was, that's why I, I was really happy to have seen it so that I could watch that and kind of go, okay, I get that reference now. And now doesn't the wrong guy make more sense? Oh, yeah. I thought about <laughs> that as I was watching this. I was going to text you that before before I tried to give you clues. Um, at one point when, he, when he's at the UN and he pulls the knife out of the guy's back, all I could think about was the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, uh... I get it now. Okay. And it's an Alfred Hitchcock, so I'm starting to get my Alfred Hitchcock numbers up, too. Yeah, which is good. We have been yeah. asked to do our top ten Hitch films. So. Have we? Okay. We have, yeah. I don't know I how like many throwing out but... some of these questions that to just acknowledge to listeners that I have them. <laughs> just, we can only do one or two a, a, a week, so yeah, and we'll get to stuff. Mostly one, and also Davey needs to see at least 12 Hitchcock movies before we can do it, and I'm not sure up th- I'm up there yet. I'm getting yeah, close, but I'm process. not there yet. Yeah, so it's good to know that that's on the list. I'll keep working on that. Yeah. All right. So yeah, North by Northwest is my other, is my number eleven. Cool. My other honorable mention, or my number eleven, is the Raid Redemption. Nice. Yeah. Because I felt most comfortable with it as an honorable mention because sure. it is more about the SWAT team going into the tenement run by a mobster. Mm-hmm. But the entire thing is revolving around, like, he's trying to get his brother who's fallen into this life of crime away from this mobster. This mobster runs this building, and it's them having to deal with that. Right. So, yeah? Yeah, I I, I could definitely see that. I mean, yes, it does focus more on the, the good guys than the bad guys, but it's also, they are, I mean, there is illicit things happening in this building, and, you know, it's not like the, the bad guys are just not there's not any pushback like they're they're coming after everybody too right so i totally i'd buy that as a crime movie and it's not that we we only focus on the swat guy right like we yeah. the mad dog we spend a bunch of time with and totally. the head of the building and some of the people who are caught in this mobster's world sort of thing and that's why i was more willing to do it mm-hmm. is because the whole thing is basically set inside a mob run facility yeah yeah Oh, man. Anyway, and it's the... uh, probably one of the best, if not the best, martial arts movie I've ever seen. It is one of the best action movies made in the last uh, in the century. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's God. To this day, I still remember uh, the day you showed me the trailer for it, and I just, it's... I, I was just blown away 
by the trailer, and then I watched that movie and just went, oh my god, it, it is so good. It's so good. I There's still, just... to this day, and I've watched the movie <laughs> five or six times, I have sure. no idea how they did some of the stunts. Yeah. Absolutely none. And I can pick apart stunts fairly decently at this point. Mm-hmm. But, like, I I don't know how some of these extras aren't dead. Maybe they are, and Gareth Evans has just been hiding it from us this entire time. <laughs> but I doubt that. Because that would come out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if... if um, Going completely sideways, if uh, there was there was big dispute about a dog's purpose last year because there was one scene where the dog was in a pool and everybody's worried that the dog was drowning and, you know, there were people who said that that was animal abuse and there were people who said it was fine and there was a whole argument on that. And that was... I mean, and don't get me wrong, I love dogs, but... If you had a person die on set, I feel like that would have been way bigger news than a dog swimming in a pool that yeah. was, you know, churning. Yeah, so, exactly. So in other words, I still have no idea how it's done, which yeah. means that if you have not seen The Raid, and that's The Raid Redemption from 2011, there is also a sequel, which is a lot longer and takes place in a prison. And it's okay. pretty good, but the first one is better. Okay. I anyway, haven't seen the second the one yet. I think I had it PVR'd for a while, and then it just dropped off the bottom of my PVR, as things tend to do. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so. Okay, into the actual top ten. Woo! My number ten is a movie I don't think I've ever talked about on the podcast before, and it might be, well, other than North by the Northwest, which I only saw last night, it might be the only one I've never talked about. Who knows? Uh, it is Heat. Okay. I really dig this movie. Um, it's fun because you've got two of the, the, the best classic actors. You've got Robert De Niro and you've got Al Pacino. Now, you know, this is Al Pacino around the scent of a woman, kind of at that point. Sure. Um, I can't remember exactly when it came out, but it was, it was kind of right around there. And so he was, not to say that he was doing, I mean, he won the Oscar for the scent of a woman, didn't he? I think he did. I think he did. But, like, I feel like at a certain point, Al Pacino kind of became a caricature of himself. But Right around the Merchant of Venice era. Sure. Okay. Do you remember that when they made a Merchant of Venice where he was Shylock? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so right around there. But, like, you have classic Al Pacino where, you know, he's in Scarface. He's in The, the Godfather. He's in... Carlito's Way and Serpico, like, you know, you've got classic Al Pacino, and this is kind of the tail end of, of those, and then you've got Robert De Niro's doing Goodfellas and Casino and all this stuff, and this is before Meet the Fockers and Meet the Parents, and so, so, you know, kind of before Robert De Niro started, like, when he was still super tough and badass, but you've got Al Pacino playing a cop, and Robert De Niro playing a crook, and you know you're you're basically seeing it from both sides, from the cop side and the the criminal side. And at one point, you have these two amazing actors sit down across the table from each other and act out this scene where basically Robert De Niro, like Al Pacino, knows that Robert De Niro is this criminal, but he can't prove it, so he can't arrest him. And he Al Pacino, uh, Robert De Niro, basically says, you know, if I see you coming, regardless of what's happening, I am turning and I'm walking away. And Al Pacino says, I will do whatever it takes to put you in jail. And I'm paraphrasing both, but it's just like seeing these two guys, it's a it's a an acting class in like just keeping your cool and everything. It's it's awesome. There's a lot of really good scenes. Um uh Val Kilmer's in it. 
I can't remember all the other people who were actually in this movie because it's been forever since I've seen it. But there's sure. also an unbelievable shootout uh, kind of halfway through. 95 was when this movie came out. Al Pacino, Rob De Niro, Val Kilmer, John Voight is in it, Tom Sizemore, uh, Ashley Judd has a has a part in it, Ted Levine. Like, there's, there's a pretty awesome cast in this movie. Um, and it's written and directed by Michael Mann. So, you know, you've got to think that it's probably pretty good. Sure. But, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely, definitely check it out. I thought it came out earlier. Uh, 1995 seems late for me, um, but that's what IMDb says, so I'm inclined to believe it. They tend to be pretty right on things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Heat is my number 10. Cool. I have not seen that movie in a long time. Right? Yeah, it's been, it's one of those ones when it came up, it's like, oh yeah, it's going on my list, but it's going high because it's been forever since I've seen it. Yeah, totally fair. My number 10 is Sin City. Okay. How is this not be a crime movie? (laughs) That's true, yeah. Everything about it is criminal, for sure. Yeah, it's it's about like small time grifters, uh, small time gangsters, uh, like a goon, muscle. There is the hard boiled detective in a heavily corrupt area. The mm-hmm. corrupt senator, like all of it, is about oh, violent yeah, crime there's... and crime, and it's super highly stylized and it's interlocking to- stories. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. It's from two thousand five. It's by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller. Frank Miller wrote the graphic novel which I have all of. They are amazing. They are highly stylized in heavy black and white with flashes of vibrant color. Mm-hmm. Watch the trailer if you've never seen it. It'll make a lot of sense. Yeah. Speaking of amazing casts, this one is insane. Yeah. Benicio Del Toro, Mickey Rourke, Clive Owen, Bruce Willis, Jessica Alba, Like the list just goes on and on and on. And Powers Booth, is... Elijah Wood. Yep. Uh, Rosario Dawson, Alexis Bledel, like it's just yeah, like you could keep going and going and going. It's it's phenomenal. Um, it is a beautiful movie. They did. I th- I really like the fact that they took a genre director and had the graphic novelist mm. work together on it because they did actually create something that felt like the books, which is so sure. hard to yeah. do. And like this seemed unfilmable when you read it, but. Somehow they did a fairly good job at producing at least a few of the stories. Right. Yeah. I saw, I remember I saw it in the theater with a friend of mine and, and I wasn't sure, I, I figured I was going to love it, but I wasn't sure how she was going to feel about it. And we walked out of that movie and she was blown away and just thought, oh my God, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. She loved it. And understandably so. It is a terrific movie. Yeah. And it 100% fits in the crime. Like, it's got, like, I don't know how anything else can compare to it as far as crime. Like, there's murder and kidnapping and prostitution and, like, uh, yeah, car thefts and every, like, every major crime happens in this film. Pretty much, yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was one of that was shortlisted. I was just like, oh, God, there's just not enough room to put them all. (laughs) And totally I kind fair. of had a feeling it would be on yours. It's like, okay, if I don't talk about that one, I'm okay with it because Sean will probably talk about it, so it will make the list anyway. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely on my list. At number 10, since Cool. City. My number 9 is Fargo. Hey. Yeah, it's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, I am 
obviously, for those who have heard the podcast before, I am a fairly large Coen Brothers fan. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's a few different movies that you could consider uh, crime movies that they've done. Like, again, on this list, there's a few movies I was like, I guess there's crime involved, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a crime movie. Like, there was um, a couple of Westerns. I was like, sorry? <laughs> you gotta be careful. Yeah, no, the, the one that I'm gonna say is, but like... Uh, there was a, a couple westerns on there. I was like, yeah, I guess there's crime in westerns, but I would not necessarily call them crime movies because they're westerns. That's their genre. But westerns you... not really a genre, is it? Because you could have a western comedy, you could have a western drama, you could I have guess. a western musical, you could have a western yeah. crime movie. I don't know. I just always consider westerns an entity of them unto themselves. Anyway, I digress. Fargo. It's. I, I, it's not one that I was expecting to, to put on here, but as soon as as soon as I saw the title, I went, yeah, sure. That why wouldn't that be a crime movie? Again, there's sure, kidnapping, yeah. there's murder, like there's some some pretty heavy content in this. I mean, there's there's fraud if you really want to get right down to it. But um, yeah, so for those of you who haven't seen it or haven't, I don't know if the I haven't seen any of the TV show yet. Although I do know it's on Netflix now, so I will start. Um, Good. I I think. Like, basically, the idea is that there's a, a guy who's in financial trouble, and so he he um, he hires a couple guys to kidnap his wife so that when they get the ransom money, they, he'll split it with them so that way he can make he can have some money. So, um, anyway, it's 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 a whole to-do, but as I was I was kind of looking, going, oh, yeah, oh, of course, yeah, that absolutely would be a, a, a crime movie. Um, and that's, I mean, I guess to your point about how Western doesn't really have a genre, like, this is kind of a comedy drama yep but it still has elements of crime in it and so oh yeah yeah i guess if, if a crime happens you could put it down it's just i never thought about that with westerns but i guess i could have said the same about this one because it's you know it's just so ridiculous and the the crime that happens is kind of absurd but then you yeah, actually think about it and go yeah no that that makes sense like if 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 i'm taking the contrarian those fake contrarians that you were coming sure, up with yeah. before if i take their viewpoint it's lar- you're talking about a movie that's largely about a cop and what the society in Fargo, North Dakota was kind of like at a certain slice. So it's like a slice of life thing with mm-hmm. a crime story in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, no, exactly. But I totally considered it Fargo as well. So yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I yeah, I think it's a crime movie. The yeah. whole thing wraps around that kidnapping. Exactly. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yes, you see kind of the life that, like you said, the slice of life in this movie, but at the same time, if there isn't the kidnapping, you don't have this story. Nope, exactly. So I definitely consider it a crime movie, and it's a great one. So Fargo, my number nine. Cool. My number nine is another one that uh, I was sure you haven't seen because it is The Bad Sleep Well. (laughs) Yeah. No, I have not seen that movie. It is an Akira Kurosawa film from 1960. Okay. It is about a vengeful young man who marries the daughter of a corrupt industrialist in order to seek justice for his father's suicide. Uh Uh-huh. Set in modern, as of 1960s, Japan. Okay. So it's not, this is not a samurai film. This is, like, corporate, there's kidnapping, there's corporate espionage, there's fraud, heavy, heavy, heavy fraud and blackmail okay. and all of like it's all this kind of 
an underbelly of the corporate culture of 60s Japan. 50s and 60s, like post-war Japan. Cool. So it's it's a thriller set in that world, and it's done by Akira Kurosawa, which means it's sweeping and ridiculous at certain points. Awesome. And everything just kind of unfolds. I don't want to say anything else, because I am positive that I am probably one of the few people who has seen this. <laughs> I am one All of right. 8,000 who has rated it on IMDb. So wow. it this is not one... When you, people talk about Kurosawa, they don't talk about this movie. They're always talking right. about all of the big sweeping epics, right? But yeah. this one is fantastic. So Cool. And what's it called again? Well, my number nine is The Bad Sleep Well. The Bad Sleep Well. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I've you know, through you, I've heard of a few Kurosawa films. Obviously, I actually am, am PVRing in the next couple weeks. The Seven Samurai is on, so I'm PVRing that one so I can finally see that one. Ooh, so I can set aside compare. an afternoon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's four hours long. Uh, there's a few that were on TCM in the next little while that I was just like, oh, God, that is going to be that is going to be a, a marathon of a day. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the Seven Samurai is one. But as somebody who loves both versions of The Magnificent Seven, I know I should watch the original. And so, I, yeah, I and because of you, I've seen other... Uh, Kurosawa movies, but you haven't... I mean, I'm sure you've mentioned this one, but you've never said that, hey, this one's on. Yeah. So, cool. I will... I eagerly await the day that you tell me that it's on, and I will PVR it. <laughs> well, then you have to get through stuff on your PVR so I can start sending you lists again. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That's why I watched North by Northwest yesterday. Partially because I'm like, well, I'll see if there's another crime movie that I can watch just so I can get an idea, but also... I just need to purge stuff off my PBR. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, my number eight is the town. I can't remember. I feel like I've talked about this one recently. I can't remember what I the context like was. No idea. It doesn't really matter. Recently could be within the last six months, and it still feels like yesterday. Taking place in South Boston. Basically, it's four guys who rob banks and armored trucks and stuff like that and they they are told the job by another guy but then they kind of orchestrate it and everything like that and they pull off the job it's got ben affleck who also directed it uh jeremy renner kind of as he was really starting to come into his own as an actor sure uh john ham plays an fbi agent pete postlewaite is in it uh blake lively is in it like it's a it's a great cast um but it basically it revolves around these guys robbing banks and it takes place in Boston so I love it because it takes place in Boston and I got to see some of the landmarks at like as we were there in 2010 and then we watched it because it came out the same year I went oh I remember that oh I know that I definitely we were on that street that the car chase went down so that's cool so it was it was neat for that reason but it's just it's a it's a good movie it's violent the the heists are pretty good um, there's a little bit of a, of a of a love story that goes along with it, but that is kind of takes a, a backseat to all the actual crime that goes on. Sure. Um, it's a, it's just a it's a fun movie, and there was something else I was going to say about it, but I can't. Oh yeah, the final heist is pretty awesome. The best part. Yeah, yeah, I which think. makes sense because it's kind of the climax of the movie. But it's yeah. yeah, it's it's the best part for sure. So worth the wait, definitely. So that is my number eight, and it is The Town. 
cool. I don't have much to add because yeah. y- you're right. We have talked about the town a few times, and yeah. what else is there to say? That's pretty much right? the whole thing. <laughs> and I, without giving too much away, exactly, because we're trying not to spoil it. Because that's not what these lists are for. We're trying to no, exactly. encourage people to see stuff, not have a spoiler cast. Yeah. Yeah, we can do a spoiler cast of anything that we've both seen if you guys want us to, just that's not what today's all about. Right. And don't worry, we have some of those stockpiling, too. We just both need to get on a schedule where that's possible. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, it's now my number eight? Yeah. Cool. I can't talk about it. So, (laughs) Dave? Uh, I love it when I know that that's happening. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I have to get ready again. Yep. Also, just to your point about spoiler casts, I feel like in the summer when I have fewer classes to have to teach, that's a good time to do spoiler casts because I'll have more time to be able to watch those movies and our schedules can align a little bit more, provided it's not fire fire season. Yeah, no, that that kind of affects stuff. Yeah. And maybe we could look into doing some new ones too. Yeah, there you go. Like, oh man, one of the things that was on our movie preview came out and we do a spoiler cast on that or whatever. We'll, We'll figure it out. Yeah, but for first, sure. I need to hear about your number seven. My number seven is The Usual Suspects. One of the Kevin Spacey movies that I, I had to leave. Anyway, I don't know what else is on your list, so I don't want to say anything. But anyway. Um, um, there is zero Kevin Spacey. Okay, because I was also going to talk about seven. Okay, um, sure. That was also on my short list, but if I had to pick a, a great crime movie that starred Kevin Spacey, it would be The Usual Suspects because I love this movie. That's um, fair. This is one where we you cannot talk about too much because because of the spoiler at the end. And if you haven't... If you have made it this far in life without hearing about what happens at the end of The Usual Suspects, you should probably just watch it and then be surprised for yourself. But Also, congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought you were <laughs> congratulating me for a second. But yeah, somehow you made it through... 16 to 80 years of your life without having seen The Usual Suspects or have it spoiled for you, that's pretty awesome. So it's worth it. And anyway, it's basically, it's The Usual Suspects are a group of crooks in New York who get brought together because there was a crime that happened. And so they bring these people together to to figure out who it was that robbed this, I think it was an armored car um, or a, a van or something, but like a, a, a street robbery anyway. And so then these these five people end up going out to California and pulling off a job out there. Um, right. Pete Postlewaite is also in this movie. Uh, Kevin Spacey is in it. Gabriel Byrne, Gabriel Byrne, uh, Benicio del Toro, uh, Stephen Baldwin, Kevin Pollock. Like it's just it's a it's a great cast of people. And yeah. <sighs> yeah. There's there's I, literally no way you can say more without spoiling something. No, exactly. It's, Those who have seen movie, it, when you yeah. when you when I said it, I'm sure they're going, yeah, of course, that's a great crime movie. Those who haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin anything. But those who have seen it, go, yeah, don't say anything because we all know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah. check it out. It's the usual suspects. It's it's worth it if you haven't seen it. And it's not too hard to track down. It's no, usually it's not. on TV, especially on like even the commercial channels have a tendency to show. Yeah, the usual suspects. So yeah, it's it's generally around. I'm sure for a time it was probably on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore, but whatever. It, sure. it, it it comes and goes. So that's my number seven. The usual suspects. Cool. My number seven is The Godfather. Okay. Yeah. Another one that uh, was 
probably going to be... Like, that one was shortlisted as well for me. I literally had no qualms about putting this on a crime list. This, this one was it's pretty about easy. about the mob. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's about the Corleone family. Yeah. It's about the aging patriarch of said family, Marlon Brando, mm-hmm. transferring control of his empire to his son, Michael Al Pacino. Yeah. It's directed one, by Francis one, Ford Coppola. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is th- talking about Al... Uh, yeah, Al Pacino. I was going to say Al Capone. Al Pacino, this was... You know, he's he's so young in this, but he's yeah. so good in this movie. James Caan, Robert Duvall, like... Oh, man. Diane Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. It's... One it's, could argue that it is the quintessential mob movie. One could argue it's the quintessential American movie. That's true. Yeah. This might... Like, there is an argument to be made that The Godfather is the best movie ever made. Mm-hmm. I don't believe mm-hmm. that. Like, I'm not in that camp, but it's fantastic. Yeah. It is a brilliant achievement. And, and it, it's like an onion. There's just layers upon layers, and every time you watch it, you just discover more and more. And, I mean, the best movies are the ones like that, where you just kind of go, God, I didn't notice that the first three or four times I watched this. And then you just pick on up on these little nuances. And... There's just something so spectacular about it. Yeah. Um, it is a very yeah. special film, which at one point just decides that it's in Italian for 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. whatever. Sure. Why not? Because <laughs> you'll watch it and you'll like it, damn it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a phenomenal movie. And, like, I'm, I'm looking at this list. I'm going, okay, Heat I haven't watched in a long time. I haven't seen a couple on your list, but I'm also going, God, it's been forever since I've seen The Godfather. I really should watch The Godfather again. Yes. Because yes, it's should. just that good, and it's been too long. So that's the best part about these lists. I kind of look at this and go, okay, there's a few movies on here that I desperately need to rewatch in the near future. The trick with The Godfather is it is not paced for a modern audience. No. It's it's slow. It, it is mm-hmm. a thoughtful mobster film, which is not something that typically gets made anymore. Because it like it clocks no. at just under three hours, like two fifty like, or something like that. So yeah, it is to mob movies what I would say the assassination of Jesse James is to westerns in the sense that it's not your your typical like there's yes there are things that happen, but it doesn't move at the clip that a, that a lot of mob movies do, and the assassination doesn't move the, at at the clip that a lot of westerns do. Yeah, it's just it's a slow burn, but if you are willing to put in the time, it is worth it to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, there, it's it is almost impossible to find a flaw. There are a few, but that's so rare. Yeah, <laughs> so so rare. So that is my number seven, The Godfather. Okay, my number six is also a mob movie, but it is Goodfellas. Hey, yeah, and I mean The Godfather. I thought about that one too, but I am more familiar with with Goodfellas. I've seen it more. Totally um, fair. I, I, I love Goodfellas. I think it is, between this and Casino, it is the one I prefer more. Yeah, um, me too. And not to say that I don't like Casino. I just think that there's more mob. I don't know. A lot of the, a lot of Casino is about the, the running of the Casino, where this is just about being a gangster. Yep. And I mean, right from the get-go, Henry Hill, who is played by Ray Liotta, says from his young... Uh, from as soon as I remember or something, I can't remember exactly what he says, but for as long as I, I could remember, all I wanted to do was be a gangster. And that's yeah. that's what he did. And so he becomes a gangster and it's it's based on a true story of Henry Hill and um 
a guy who was in the mob and then ended up turning state's evidence and going into hiding. And, but all of it is talking about what the organization did and all the different things that they would do in the crimes and the, and the, the, the people that they would kill just because, and the things that they could get away with and the, the, the different people that they had to bribe and just everything about being a, a mobster. And yeah. it is, it, it's got Ray Liotta. It's got, um, uh, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. It's got Robert De Niro. They're the kind of the main three, but then it's got all your typical, like all the guys who are in every other gangster movie, like Paul Sorvino was in it. And, and, uh, because I'm of pretty course sure. He is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The guy who plays Chris Maltesante in, in, um, uh, the Sopranos, he's in it. Like there's, there's just a bunch of Italian American actors because they needed a bunch of Italian Americans. But yeah. it's it's fantastic. It's a great movie. Yeah, just just a, another great mob movie, and that's Goodfellas, my number six. Fantastic soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Beautifully shot. The tracking yeah. shots are spectacular. Like, like was, when they're going through the Scorsese's back door of the, Yeah, that yeah. when they're going through the back door of that restaurant, all the way to I can't remember which which place it is, but it's just that one long tracking shot all through the different rooms of this of this restaurant and everything they finally end up at their seats it's just like one shot yeah. it's 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 so good it is so yeah. well done and yeah. without good fellas we wouldn't have the good feathers and that would make me sad what is the good feathers the from the animaniacs all oh life, yeah, yeah i always yeah, wanted okay. to be a good feather and it's just the three pigeons like talking like the gangsters from Goodfellas, and then fighting each other in like four <laughs> minutes awesome Okay, so that's my number six, is Goodfellas. My number six is The Godfather Part 2. Okay. <laughs> I'm not necessarily... So is is your number five Godfather Part 3? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you seen the third one? No. No, I haven't. And, I mean, I should at some point just to have seen it, but I know that it's not... It does not even come close to the first two. No, which is one of the reasons not. why I haven't seen it because I've just I don't I I'm just put off by it. It could have stopped at two. It could have yeah. stopped at two and everything would have been fine. <laughs> anyway, the Godfather Part Two. It's so hard separating them because it right. really tells a complete story. Sure. But if I have to, and you really should, I always put the second one just that little bit ahead because I love the juxtaposition of the mm. early life of Vito in the twenties. Mm-hmm. And his son as he's expanding and tightening his grip. Right. So you're seeing, like, the rise of Vito when he's just starting the Corleone family, and you're seeing Michael and how, like, stuff's fraying, how the times are coming in, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Speaking of best sequels ever made, we did that podcast once, and I'm positive I talked about Godfather 2. Oh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Because it is spectacular. Largely the same cast. Speaking of Robert De Niro... He right. totally shows yeah. up as the younger Vito, which makes this even more amazing because having oh, just a great casting having De Niro, choice. like 70s De Niro play young Marlon Brando is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Just a genius idea. So plus, I, there's not much more I can say. No. Frankly. It's, well, it's the plus, Godfather part two. So. When we talk about uh, North by Northwest, there's... It, both the Godfather and the the Godfather Part Two have they have given themselves to so much pop culture. Yep. There's there are so many references that have been made to the Godfather and the Godfather Part Two, just in the Simpsons alone, but in the entire 
pop culture world since the 1970s when these movies came out. There have been yes. so many references to that movie because they are so, so popular and so famous. They're iconic. Yeah. As of right now, exactly. they are number two and number three in the user rankings on IMDb. What's number one? Is it Citizen Kane? Uh, Shawshank. Oh, of course. That makes sense. Because the, the sentimentality of Shawshank kind of bumps it up a little bit. Sure, yeah. So. Okay. But yeah, so that's that's some pretty elite company. Shawshank and then the two Godfathers. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Cool. Um, so that's my number six. Nice. The Godfather Part 2. And if you okay. like long movies, oh man, brace yourself. It's three <laughs> and a half hours long. <laughs> well, they like long podcasts because they're here, so hopefully they like long movies too. Yeah, you could do, in the first two movies alone, you could do six hours of Godfather. Jeez. Yeah, That's exactly. But because we don't want this podcast to be six hours long, we better get to our break. And our second half is brought to you by the fine people at Rocky's Gunatorium. You know, Dave, there are a variety of situations where a Facebook notification or email just won't do. Nothing has the same appeal, personal touch, nor the same memorability as hired goons. Hired goons? Rocky's Gunatorium has been operating since 1928 and has provided quality and effective service that only strong lineage goons can provide. That's Rocky's Gunatorium. Gooning for you has been great since Calvin Coolidge was stumping at your gate. And we're back. And because I went first earlier, I'm going to keep going. And my number five is Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Fair. I, I was 100% positive this would be on your list. Yeah. It was it was between this one and Snatch. I love both those films so much. But I think I just like this one a little bit more. Just just a bit more. And okay. I, and I would consider it... And maybe because I saw it before... Obviously because it came out before Snatch. But also like it kind of gave me an appreciation for Guy Ritchie. But there's just something about this one. And I think, I think the reason why I, I prefer this one, especially in a list like this, is because it has... It, it centers around... I don't even know because Snatch is definitely a caper too like that's about the diamond that goes missing but this one it's more like there's more I don't even know how to describe the difference because they're both heist movies and both crime movies but there's just something about this one that I I feel has more crime maybe it's because it's like there's robberies and then there's stolen guns and there's different robberies and then there's a big shootout and but there's different criminal organizations from different sides that are kind of coming into play which is the exact same thing you could argue about snatch I don't know I just really like this one I've just talked myself in and out of why this one is better than snatch about four times in this in the last minute and a half so how about you just tell us what Lockstock's about instead? Lockstock is about uh, a group of friends who who get together, get a bunch of money together. They um, they basically the, the one guy is a great poker player. He's a great card player, and so they they go to they put their money in because they're going to try and make some money off this card game, and things happen and they end up losing their money and so as a result they're in the hole about a hundred thousand pounds or something like that and so they have to get that money back within about seven days otherwise they basically start breaking thumbs and the the guy who is playing poker his dad owns a bar and the guy who they owe the money to really wants his dad's bar 
Incidentally, his dad is played by Sting, and that's awesome. <laughs> but then, so then they end up turning to like, they end up trying to, to rob their neighbors who are mobsters, and their neighbors are mobsters, and they're they're robbing somebody, and so it's just like, you're you're robbing the guys who are robbing other people, and so it's just kind of like a case of, of who gets the money last. Um, but there's four or five different sides that are coming at this, and then all of a sudden, like, all the different lives kind of lead up into to one little climax, essentially, of the movie, and then it's just, everything goes off the rails, and it's chaotic, and it's awesome. Um, it's funny, it's it's British, so it's got that, that rapid British wit. Um, it's got, like, uh, Jason Statham was... Uh, starting out in that Vinny Jones is in it Sting is in it like I said there's a few other people that you might recognize from other other things um, like one of the guys who was in it was also uh, in uh, Band of Brothers if you've seen Band of Brothers so like these guys have kind of come and gone in different in different films but yeah it's just it's Guy Ritchie kind of starting off his career on kind of the the in the mainstream i should say and just making himself known to the entire world and it's a great film it's yeah it's got everything that you would need in a in a in a crime movie yeah that, i can't really add to that yeah. okay cool <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah that's my number five Lockstock and two smoking barrels all right then so my number five mm-hmm. is inception nice okay when I was looking enti- on, of, of course it's a crime movie. They're thieves. Yeah. That's literally what they do, is they go in through dream-sharing technology to steal ideas and mm-hmm. corporate secrets. The entire thing is a thief's ring. Yeah. Like, it just so happens to be on an incredibly trippy and amazing sci-fi movie. Like an action-adventure science fiction craziness. But it's all wrapped around a movie about thieves. So, yeah. Yeah, and... When I was looking at that that list on IMDb, I think because I admittedly I forgot my the list that I was working on at my office, and so I had <laughs> to start from did. scratch here. Yeah, right. I realized it. I was still on campus, but I was so far from my office. I was just like, ugh, I don't want to walk all the way back and have to walk up those stairs again. And so I was like, no, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'll just redo it from home, which is fine because I'm really happy with my list. But when I was looking at that list, somebody commented that Inception was missing. And I thought, yeah, of course Inception should be yes. on that list. Yes. It it's definitely should. Oh, God. Yeah. Corporate espionage set in a dream. Yep. And it's just, it's super cool. And, God, I remember leaving that movie. It is just such a mindfuck. And that's the that's the trick of it, right? Is is you, you don't necessarily consider it a... a a, a crime movie because yes they're pulling off a caper but it's also you are so entrenched in this dream within a dream within a dream thing and the yeah, layers and of the, these the, dreams and visually it's not your stereotypical crime thing and mm-hmm. it's working with a technology that we don't have yeah and it's just like so it's like a near future science fiction thing crazy visuals intensely complicated descriptions weird thrumming horn section yeah and all of this trippy stuff is going on and you're paying attention to this absolutely amazing cast and it's christopher nolan doing what christopher nolan does best Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden i was because i was thinking the same thing where i was going through the lists of crime things i'm like inception and then i actually thought about it i'm like no the entire movie is 
implantation of an idea and a heist. It's like an inverse yeah. heist in corporate espionage. That's yeah. that that's so a crime movie. Totally. And so the second that justification that came. Yeah, it, it immediately yeah. made it into my number five because it's probably in my top forty films ever. So yeah, yeah, I love Inception. Yeah. Also. Can I just say how great it is that Pete Postlewaite might be in the most movies that we've mentioned so far? Ooh. Yeah, because he that's, is that's also the third in Inception. Time. Yeah, that's the third time he's, third movie that he's been in that we've talked about today. Although Pacino and De Niro. That's true. Yeah. Because of Godfathers yeah. and Goodfellas and And Heat. Heat. Yeah, okay. That's fair. So, there, but still, like, so we're putting Pete Postlewaite. There's a lot of Pete Postlewaite. In the same in the same breath as Pacino and De Niro, as far as crime movies go, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, huh. fantastic, pretty great. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I'm glad Inception's on much there. More to s- yeah, like I don't know if there's much more to say. No, really. Like if if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, do. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't exactly. want to spoil it for you because there's a lot going on that is so much better if it blows your mind when you see it without going in exactly i think anybody even if you haven't seen it you know that it's about lucid dreaming and being within a dream within a dream and so it it that much we're not spoiling but the rest of it and how they do it and what they achieve while they're there unless you've seen it i don't want to talk about it because it's just it's too cool and it's just there's a lot going on it's hard it would be hard to talk about it in a five minute little segment as opposed to either doing an entire spoiler cast or just letting people see it for themselves yeah exactly although i can say before i wrap up without inception we don't have in sheepshin the amazing south park episode where randy turns himself into a dream butterfly and he's off to go get some butterfly poon. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's one of those movies that just spawns pop culture, and it's amazing. And some of the pop culture that spawns is in Sheepshin, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Who would have ever thought that, a, that a, a South Park episode could cross over Hoarders and Inception at the same time? But they did it, and they, but they did, did it, it so well. <laughs> they really did. If, you haven't, if you're a South Park fan and you haven't seen it, go check out in Sheepshin. Oh, yeah. Why, why do we need firemen? Only firemen can use ladders in dreams. What? <laughs> anyway, I don't want to say anything else at risk of spoiling. So yeah. my number five is Inception. Okay. My number four, uh, to anybody who's listened to the podcast at any times, not surprise, is Boondock Saints. Yep. Two. <clears throat> it's a couple Irish brothers who, by chance, end up basically going on a tear taking down the russian mob yep and this is not something that they planned on doing they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time but as a result they they kill a couple guys and then just kind of go on a run and kill a couple more guys and then just become basically irish hitmen and it's great it's got sean william scott and um daryl from walking dead why can't i remember his name the walking dead yeah. Norman but Reedus. I, Norman Reedus, thank you. It's got Billy Connolly, it's got Willem Dafoe, it's got yeah, it's it's just it's a good cast. It's funny, it's violent, it's quotable, it's it's a great, great film. It's another one that takes place in Boston. It's not why I love it so much. I just happen to love this movie. Um Yeah. And it is the result of a verb that Sean and I coined called boondocking, 
which is when the sequel is so bad it almost makes you like the the original less. That's Boondocking. Yeah. And it, I've finally come back around on loving Boondock Saints, but I certainly don't watch it as often as I used to. No, me neither. I actually can't remember the last time I watched Boondock Saints, and I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway, it's it's... Again... You could say this about any movie that we've talked about, but if you've seen it, you know. If you haven't seen it, you just need to check it out. Um, but it's fun. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. So it's it's Norman Reedus and Sean William Scott when they're younger. Like, this movie came out 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. Um, Isn't it so, Sean know, Patrick Flannery? Did, what did I say? Sean William Scott. Oh, yeah, no, Sean Patrick Flannery, sorry, yes. Sean William Sean, Scott Sean William is Scott's from, like, American Pie and shit. Yeah, yeah, he's Stifler and, and I Love You Man, or um, whatever, yeah. Yes, no, Sean Patrick Flannery, that's the one. Thank you for correcting me. Because <laughs> people watch that, they're that like, been. we watched Boondock Saints, but Stifler wasn't in it at all. You lying <laughs> you son suck, of a bitch. Smith. <laughs> That'd be the first time I got tweeted pretzels. Like, what the hell? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Sean Patrick Flannery. That's who it is. Anyway, it's, yes. a, it's a great movie. I don't know what else to say. It's Irish guys who go and kill a bunch of people. It's fun. Check it out. Never watch the sequel. Yeah, never. Never watch the sequel. So that's my number four. Cool. My number four is a Western. Huh. Interesting. Because it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It is, hey. Film which is in, which is entirely wrapped around bank and train robbers and the various heists they pull as they then try and flee the law and go to Bolivia. And then pull off more bank heists there and. Yeah, nothing but <sighs> crimes in that. Yeah, and I get it. I totally get it. Because yes, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid should probably be on my list because I love that movie so much. But I don't. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I didn't even consider any Westerns because that would have changed the whole scope of this. And maybe that was just too daunting a task for me. I don't know. That's fair, I guess. It's just, it is, it's a crime movie. Yeah. There are some Westerns that aren't crime movies. There's tons of Westerns that aren't crime movies. But this one is almost more crime movie than Western. It's just a crime movie set in a period, in like, in the period of the West, right? Yeah. Because if if, yeah. if you took the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid story and you put it in 1970s New York, is it not basically the same film? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. That's, like you just and that's literally it. the thought, yeah, and that's literally the thought process I went through to, a, to work out if Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid fits, is, like, if you stick this, even if you stuck it today in L.A., yeah. And when they had to run from the law, they had to get across the border to Mexico. Yeah. It's the same movie. And actually, yeah, you're I'm right. surprised that hasn't happened yet because what a hell of a story and yeah. modernize it. Yeah, for you're sure. You're welcome, no, Hollywood. I mean, <laughs> somebody's going to If if in the next year and a half there's a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance movie that gets modernized, I'm going to be so happy that somebody listened to it but also kind of pissed that they're getting all I didn't the money make from it something. Myself. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I totally yeah, get it's... that. And it should be on my list now that you mention that. I'm glad that it's on yours, just that way it's being talked about. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's a brilliant movie. It's your it's your topic. So do you want to tell people what it's like who's in it and you know, how great oh, it is? I... Yeah. 
I I can. I, I thought mean, I like kind of established that it's two bank train robbers who flee to. Oh no, I meant who, star, who stars? Who, who oh, it's Paul Newman star. and Robert Redford and yeah. Catherine Ross. Yeah, probably that's all you would really need to know off the top if you haven't right? seen it. Those are the three. Uh, it's directed by George Roy Hill. It is a it's a weirdly sixties western. Mm-hmm. Like they they take quite a few liberties with it, but that may be why I love it as much as I do. Okay. It has a great ending, which is technically spoiled on the poster, so I don't feel bad about mentioning it if you haven't seen it. That's true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and if you know the story of Butch Cassidy and Butch and Sundance, that's the other yeah, thing this... is it is based, it's not it's not entirely true, but they've taken some liberties, but it is based on a true story. It, it's essentially a biography. Yeah. Like, um, uh, again, it's a film, so you're not, you never go to a film for history unless it's a documentary and even then have one foot in reality town. Yeah. But it's just, like, it is essentially a true story of two bank and train robbers mm-hmm. who eventually had to flee and then the law catches, catches yeah. up to them. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's great. It's probably, I, we've done our Western lists how many times and it's usually, what, my number two? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always so, in my... I mean, it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that tandem of Redford and Newman, and uh, it's just... It's a it's a great film. This is them at their best. Could I yeah. do without the bicycling scene? Sure. But sure. I get why it's there. They yeah. needed a song. So, okay. It's 1969. That's the way <laughs> film was sold. You had to start shifting stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Listen to You Must Remember This. It'll explain it better than I will in, like, 30 seconds. So... <laughs> Did I ever tell you that when I was on my road trip through the U.S. and we went to Laramie, Wyoming, that there was a, an old prison, like an old West prison that you could you could do a tour of, and it was one of the prisons that Butch Cassidy actually did time in? No, no, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So, like, there was a whole shrine, like a whole part of this, this prison that was kind of devoted to Butch Cassidy because, like, he was... I. Despite the fact, I mean, the way Paul Newman plays him, and I am, I am inclined to believe that part of the story that people really did like him, and he was at, like he wasn't like a really bad, bad guy. Like he robbed things, sure, but he was he was very well liked by most people. He was a fairly charming individual. Sure. Um, and so there's this, yeah, there's this shrine to the actual Butch Cassidy in in this prison. It was it was a really neat day. It was like. We didn't have a timeline, and so we're just like, oh, yeah, we'll go through Laramie. And it's like, you can go to an old prison. It's like, cool. And then I was like, this this is a prison where Butch Cassidy was. It's like, this is awesome. So for somebody who loves the movie as much as I do, it was a pretty neat experience to go through there. No, oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so. Anyway. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that you talked about it because now I regret not having it on my list. So I'm glad that somebody did. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. It's my number four. It's my second favorite Western of all time. It's a movie that is not hard to track down. It is no. on constantly. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. That is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Cool. My number three is yet another Robert De Niro movie. <laughs> it is Ronin. Okay. This is... Man, this movie, it's got Robert De Niro, it's got Jean Renault. Uh, Sean Bean is in it. Uh, other people that you would recognize whose names escape me at the moment, but they're kind of the, you know, the, the De Niro and, and Jean Reno are kind of the two big ones. Basically, it's about, yeah. uh, it's a it's a heist uh, that takes place in Europe, 
I can't remember where, I want to say France, but basically there's a, there's a robbery and they're trying to rob this case off a guy who's got it handcuffed to his hand. Um, and then basically it goes around different places in Europe because this this case is, you know, one person gets it, then another person gets it, and then all the, like, it's who has the case. It's kind of like a shell game almost, like who's got the case. Um, but the yeah, That's actually one... a really good way to put it. It is very, it is very much watching a, like a high-stakes shell game. Yeah. 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 Um, but halfway through the movie, when they steal the case, like spoilers, because the first part is kind of the planning of how they're going to do it, and then they steal the case, but then other, like, then who has it is kind of the second half of the movie. Um when they when they steal the case not only is that part awesome but there's also a sweet car chase in it true yes and so everything about it just kind of has this great crime feel to it um and then there's like then there's different government governmental factions and like there's the the IRA get involved and the CIA and like it's just it's there's spies and there's there's people who are double agents it's just it's you know every people fuck other people over and at one point you see Robert De Niro perform surgery on himself and remove a bullet from his abdomen and it's like everything about this movie is just it just screams crime and it's it's fantastic i've seen this movie a number of times it's one that kind of perpetually lives on my pvr because every now and then i just want to watch ronin because it's just that good that's Um, totally fair yeah so yeah check that one out if you haven't seen it it came out uh mid 90s i would say i can't remember exactly when but uh again kind of at the the height of when robert de niro was badass and yes. uh, yeah, so check it out. Ronan came out in 1998. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. That's that. That's my number three, Ronan. My number three is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> I wondered if that's why you said careful. Yes, it was. Okay, it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie, and it's about the deep in the deep south in the 30s. Three escaped convicts. Kluntang, John Turturro, and Tim Blake Nelson searching for hidden treasure while a relentless lawman pursues them. Technically, as soon as they break out of prison, everything they do is a crime. I guess that makes sense. And they commit tons of petty crimes? Nothing overly massive, right? But there's, like, some slight fraud and some slight theft and all of this other stuff... But in the, at the end of the day, the entire film is framed around the fact that they are escaped convicts. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. So while they're on the lam, everything they do is, is criminal because they're, they didn't get paroled. They're not free people. They're, they are convicts. They are criminals. Interesting. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. By- and petty crime, yes, but they also steal a car. Yes. And that is a grand theft. They... they drive george nelson around after he's so they are now abetting another criminal like yes there are there are bigger crimes than just little fraud and burning down somebody's barn although they didn't burn it down i I didn't want to undersell it but at the same like there is nothing in this movie that leads me to believe that it's not about them being criminals yeah (laughs) because they are no that's a good call that's the case then I get to talk about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is yeah. my favorite Coen Brothers movie. And yeah. in my top 15 films of all time. And a brilliant adaptation by the Coen Brothers of Homer's Odyssey. Like, it's so good. It is It is so good. And, again, speaking of awesome soundtracks. Ah. Oh, and it's, a, it's that, a different soundtrack in the sense that, like, it's it's very good and very... 
like the songs are great, but it's all like 1930s southern music, like gospel type music, and and Bluesy like really, and yeah, yeah. Soul I mean, a bit and yeah, yeah. So it, it it's one of the. I own that soundtrack, and I don't listen to it on a regular basis anymore. But man, I was excited when I got that. And there are just some gorgeous songs on there. And then there's um, it, the Man from Constant Sorrow by the Soggy Bottom Boys, which was massive when it came out. Yes, it was. So, yeah, no, that's that's a good call. I mean, I again, it's one of those ones where I saw it and I was just like, ah, that doesn't seem like a crime movie to me. But again, with your reasoning and your logic, I'm like, yeah, no, that that does make sense as a crime film. Okay. I can buy that. When it gets down to it, that's literally what it's about. It's yeah. just wrapped up in this, like, it, well, the Odyssey, but mm-hmm. an adventure comedy, basically. Yeah. yeah. But how long are they chained together? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my number three. Cool. Oh, brother, where art thou? All right. My number two is another Jean Renault movie. Uh, it is directed, written, I think, and directed by Luc Besson. It is Leon the Professional. Yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite movies ever. It's one that I saw. Oh God! Oh, in the same film class as Rafifi, actually. So, like that would have been fourteen years ago was the first time I saw it, and absolutely fell in love with it. it yeah, Jean Reno is in it. Natalie Portman is she's about twelve years old in this movie. It's one yeah, of if so not young. her if yeah, it might be her first movie, if not one of her first movies. I can't remember what came first, this or like um. Uh, Mars Attacks, but it's that young Natalie Portman. Um, uh, Leon the Professional was, what, 97? Something like that, yeah. Because Mars Attacks, I think, is 99. Oh, okay. Leon was 94. Pulling... Wolf, okay. Yeah. yeah. I might be way off on Mars Attacks, too, but I th- I would say it, it did definitely come out after Leon, then, if it's 94. Yeah, okay, so... She was in a movie called Developing where she played Nina. That is technically her first film credit as an actress. And then Leon was the next one. Also, she was in Heat, which I forgot. So apparently Natalie Portman's in two of my favorite crime movies as well, which is weird. Um, And then Mars Attacks came out in 96. So you're not too far off. I I basically missed by an equal amount. I just had to move them farther back. Exactly. Fair enough. Anyway, so it's those two and Gary Oldman. They're kind of the three main players in this movie. Jean Reno plays a hitman. Natalie Portman plays a girl who lives next door to Leon. And her entire family gets murdered. And she is left because she was out getting groceries. And so she comes back and basically takes up residence with Leon. And Leon teaches her how to be a hitman. Gary Oldman comes into play because he is a DEA agent, but he is also responsible for the murder of her family. I think it's DEA. It's something along those lines. Um, I, I can never remember what his actual, but he's he's a like a federal agent of some sort. Um, but yeah. he is also like he's a bad cop. Like he's not a good person. Right. Anyway, so he is responsible for the murder of her family. I'm not spoiling anything because that is the first ten minutes of the movie. Um, yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure the log line is basically telling you exactly this. So. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so she then, as a 12-year-old, learns how to be... She she takes up uh, Jean Renault or Leon's tutelage and learns how to be a hit person herself. And it's pretty awesome. So you get to see, like, her kind of learning how to be 
um, a hitman, and so he teaches her all about that, but then she kind of teaches him, like, she teaches him how to read, and they, you know, he kind of becomes a father figure for her, and it's just, it's really, really awesome. It's a movie, another one of those movies that I will watch every time it's on, because I absolutely love that movie. That's totally fair. Yeah. Now there's two different versions. There's The Professional, which is the American release, and then there's Leon The Professional, which is the European uh, release, and they're not that much different, but there's one one thing that Leon does differently that, that The Professional omits. It's basically like the director's cut. Um, I'm not going to get into that. You just kind of have to watch one and figure out which one is the one I'm talking about. Um, you'll know it when you see it, though. So, anyway. That's my number okay. two. Well, there's kind of a whole... Natalie Portman basically falls in love with Leon, and like there's that whole, like, she loves this guy who's 30 years her senior... And she's yeah. a twelve year old, and so like that part gets cut out of the American release, where it's, yes. because it's not necessarily pertinent to the rest of the story, but it's also like it's there anyway. So that is that is the difference. It's whether you watch the professional and Leon, that part that will not affect you, your love of this movie. It's it's great. It's violent. It's fun. It's there's some funny moments. Like it's just it's a really good watch. It's Luc Besson. It's the same guy who did the Fifth Element. And and the Levin Nikita, like he's just he's a great actor, great director. So check it out. Cool. Yeah. My number two is a film I'm actually, frankly, a little surprised didn't make your list at all. Which mm-hmm. is why we'll have a conversation right now about Pulp Fiction. <sighs> I thought about that one. It, like both Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs actually got they were shortlisted, but just didn't make the cut. Sure. They're both Pulp Fiction is awesome. Yeah. Well, and I. Th- I feel like it's more crimey than Reservoir Dogs because Reservoir Dogs is largely about after the heist, mm-hmm. whereas Pulp Fiction is about the intertwining lives of like a two mob hitman and yeah. a boxer and the gangster's wife and bandits and yeah, like it's all wrapped around crimes in L.A. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a Tarantino movie. The cast, again, as is tradition with Tarantino movies, is ridiculous. Yeah. You've got everyone from Samuel L. Jackson to Tim Roth to Bruce Willis, Ving Rhames, uh, Uma Thurman. John Travolta. Phil Lamar's in it. Travolta's in it. Amanda Plummer's in it. It's a massive cast. Yeah. And two and a half hours of crime, ridiculous, amazing awesomeness. And it'll just take a break for Christopher Walken to deliver a, a monologue for a bit, and then he's gone. Yeah, and that's all yeah. you need. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty about both this movie and and Quentin Tarantino is he can write things like that, and you know you just talk to Christopher Walken and be like, do you want to do this one scene? And be like, hell yeah, okay, sure. And then he does it. This is kind of the movie that that put Tarantino on the map. Like Reservoir Dogs was good, but this movie he won this one best picture, didn't it? No. It didn't? It, no, it did not. It, he won a screenplay. Oh, okay, okay. But still, well, no, like he... if, if it had won, it would have had to have beaten, what, Forrest Gump? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I think it won a, maybe the Palm Door? It, it won big at Con, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, um... this, is, this is the film that put Tarantino on the map like solidified him as a force because I believe at the time it was the first R-rated movie to break a hundred million dollars at the box office. Oh, really? Yeah. And this is what made Miramax 
a thing. Like, okay. This elevated Miramax as well as Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Okay, so, so. It, it won for the Academy Award. It won for Best Writing, yeah, Best Screenplay. It yeah. was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role. That was Travolta. Uh, yep. It was nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. That was um, Samuel L. Jackson. Nominated for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. That was Uma. Nominated for Best Director. Nominated for Best Film Editing. Like, it got a ton of nominations, but only the one win. But... Yeah that's a testament to how good that movie is is i mean yeah it came up against forrest gump and i believe shawshank redemption yeah I think so, so it was in some pretty elite company as far as movies go but it still came away with best screenplay and it was just oh my god it's just it's a phenomenal movie yeah it's my second favorite crime movie there you go okay <laughs> my number one is sean's number eight we finally get to talk about it yay now this Oh, no, because I still like this movie better than Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, but not by much. But uh, it is my second, third, fourth. I haven't actually done my rankings in a while. Mo- favorite movie of all time. And it is my number one movie today. It is The Sting. Yep. It's about con men. It's about con men who are trying to play one big long con basically to... So it's it's um, Robert Redford, who is a young, young kid, a young con man who is kind of learning the ropes from his friend Luther. Luther gets killed because they pull a con, and um, uh, what the hell is... Robert Shaw is this kind of crook who has a... They, they conned one of his guys, and so Robert Shaw wants to get his money back and wants to teach these guys a lesson, so they kill Luther... Again, I'm not spoiling anything because this happens like 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah, this is super so, early. Yeah, so Robert Redford then goes on the run, and then he ends up meeting a classic old-school con man named Henry Gondorf, who is played by Paul Newman, who takes him under his wing and teaches him how to play the long con because they're going to get back at Robert Shaw. In so Then you see different cons happen and different characters, and you get to see different games that they play and different, different ways of conning people and different, I don't want to say heists that they pull, but like different little moves that they do to make sure that, that everything goes properly and all the different things that they have to consider and, and just like it all plays out, and it's so fun. And I, I love this movie. I have seen this movie countless times. I watch it every time it's on TV. If it's not on TV in a while, I will just find it in my DVD collection and watch it because it is just a tremendous movie. Yeah, it's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful time. Uh, never watch the sequel. Yeah, no, I, I, I have zero desire to watch the sequel. I don't want it to boondock it for me. <laughs> this, the Sting 2 does not need to exist. The Sting is a perfectly encapsulated film mm-hmm. that is a wonderful time that you could... I don't. I wouldn't really be able to call it a family film because you couldn't watch it with super young children. But it is something that you can watch with almost all ages, and they will enjoy Certainly. it. It's one of those ones like my family and I. We used to do family movie nights on Sundays, and we would watch stuff that um, my parents watched when we were growing up, but new movies too. Just you know, kind of mix it up, and it'd be, they'd be like. Oh, we need to watch this, and that's when I saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for the first time was with my with my parents because they both loved it, and like you guys would love this movie. Now, they we didn't watch The Sting together, but that would have been one we would have done for family movie night because it was yeah. it we were old enough to appreciate it, but also it's a good movie and not there's not a lot of there's not a lot of violence, there's not a lot of profanity. It's a fairly clean movie. Yeah, it really is, and it's just it's done very well. It's got a great... The theme song is The Entertainer. Um, 
everybody knows that song. Do 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 do. That's the theme song. So you hear that kind of throughout the movie. Great performances by a lot of great actors. It's just my uncle. I think to this day, The Sting is the only movie that he has paid twice to see in the theater. So there you go. There's there's another. If you want to see a movie that my uncle, who will never ever go see a movie twice in a theater, went to see this movie twice because he loved it so much. There you go. Yeah. So that's my number one. It is The Sting. I don't really have anything to add to that. My number eight for basically all of the same reasons you just listed. (laughs) Yeah. So my number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Dave. Yes, Sean. I said before we got started, through gales of laughter, that I feel like it should be pretty obvious what my number one is. Now, having heard the previous (laughs) 11 movies I've talked about, what do you think my number one is? God damn it! I knew this was coming. I knew you were going to ask, and I'm—I've been blanking for the last while because you and I have been talking for two hours. Whether the podcast has not been going on that long, but you and I no. have been conversa- conversationing. Jesus, that's where my—that's <laughs> the state of mind I'm in right now. Is I can't even use the proper words. Um. Yeah, we we hit the two hour mark. Yeah, I I don't know, and I know I know I should know this. Oh, you should. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is cannibalism a crime? Oh, son of a bitch. My number one is The Silence of the Lambs. Of course it is. I even saw that on the list, on the list of 100, and thought, well, Sean's going to talk about that. And then for the last two hours, couldn't consider... God damn it. (laughs) Of course it's my number one. I love the Hannibal Lecter mythos. I love Hannibal Lecter as a character. The Science of the Lambs is still the best film version of any of the Hannibal Lecter stuff. It won Best Picture, Best Director, all of the acting things. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. And it is definitely a crime movie because the entire thing is about a young FBI cadet getting help from a killer to catch a serial killer. Yeah. That's a crime movie. Absolutely, it's a crime movie. It's a little more gory. It's Mm -hmm. not like a gangster-y heist, but pretty much everything that happens is a crime. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, of course The Silence of the Lambs is my number one. Yeah. No, that's, that, that, of course it is. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's... Foster, fantastic. Anthony Hopkins, amazing. And when you had mentioned, you even mentioned Ted Levine earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Because he's in Heat. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe Dave will clue in on that. Because, <laughs> because Buffalo Bill is definitely in my number one. Yeah. No, and I, I, that all should have been pieced together. But no, no. Here I am kicking myself as per usual. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for this for his role in that movie and he had yep. 12 minutes of screen time. Yep. That that's how good it indi- was. Exactly. That is an indication of both how good the movie and how good his performance is. Now, is there a part of me that's like he really should have been in the best supporting actor category? Yes. But that also tells you how confident Jonathan Dam, the director, and the team around mm-hmm. The Silence of the Lambs promoting The Silence of the Lambs were that it was that strong of a performance mm-hmm. because in 12 minutes he was the best actor of the year yeah Which, like, how do you my god <laughs> i'm trying to figure out so that was what 91 uh that's the year it came out yeah that's the year it came out yeah so on valentine's yeah. day 1991 
<laughs> Perhaps the b- greatest thing that I've ever found out was that the Silence of the Lambs came out on Valentine's Day, that a is, holiday that, that I do not believe in. Pretty great. But um, it is about disemboweling a saint, so how could it go wrong? Yeah, that is that is fair. Uh, I'm just trying to think out best actor 1992. Actor. Oh, you're trying to see who he was up against? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yes, I know that it was Anthony Hopkins, but who else was. There we go. 1992 Academy Award Best Director, Best Actor. What? God damn it. Stupid I am. Box Office Mojo. <sighs> So it would have been 90... Well, they screwed me, Sean. Because they told me that Scent of a Woman for Al Pacino won, but that would have been for the 1992 season, not... <sighs> well, I thought I was I thought I was good, but 1992, let's try 91. Ba, ba, ba. Okay, there we go. Sounds of the Lambs. So, he was up against Robin Williams in The Fisher King, yep, Warren Beatty in Bugsy, Nick Nolte in The Princess, uh-huh. Prince of Tides, and Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Yeah. Those are four... Well, I haven't seen The Prince of Tides, but those are three, and I can only assume four phenomenal roles, and in 12 minutes, Anthony Hopkins beat them all. Yes, in the opinion of the Academy, yes. Which is pretty crazy, but also kind of awesome. Well, and when you think about it, Jodie Foster beat Thelma and Louise, both Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, and Bette Midler for For the Boys, and Laura Dern from Rambling Rose. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's that's a hell of a showing for sure. Um, also, that was the year that Jack Palance did one-handed push-ups during his acceptance speech of City Slickers, which is kind of awesome. So, which is good... why we are all happy that Anthony Hopkins wasn't in that category instead, because right? then exactly. no push-ups. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it was Jack Palance, and Jack Palance is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Of course, Silence of the Lambs is your number one. Of course, it should be because it's a brilliant movie. It's it's a terrific crime movie. Everything about it is fantastic. And speaking of movies that I'll watch every time they're on, yeah, Silence of the Lambs, and it doesn't 100%. matter what at what time it's on. Like, oh man, there's only forty minutes left. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing for forty minutes. Yeah, exactly. You you come in at that it, when Jodie Foster's training and she's going on that run. You go, I know exactly what's happening right now. Or you come in when she and her her like cadet friend are are breaking down all of uh, Doctor Lecter's notes and they're like she's cracking the case. Either way, you just go, okay, I know, I know what I'm doing. Although, admittedly, I am always happier if I am in before Goodbye Horses. That's fair. Because, yeah. yes. All right. Uh, anything else to add? Not that I want to say. No. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. just going to keep talking about Silence of the Lambs, and I could do that for hours. So well, that, that sounds like a spoiler cast topic. Probably. There you go. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. You, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we just want to answer your questions or have a good old chat. Do you want to talk to us on Twitter? I can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. Sean is at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys from Podcast. You can email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Facebook us at The Guys From. Or make some classic heisty crime movie. It's If we've proven anything today, it's that we like them something fierce. 
And in all good heist movies, there's generally some sort of newspaper headline. So as part of the newspaper, maybe not the main headline, but like the second the second one down, like the, the secondary heading, um, have your question in there. Something subtle, but obvious enough that we see it because we need to be able to actually see it in order to answer your questions. But yeah, put it in your newspaper headline in your heist film and we'll get to it and answer it. Okay. If you enjoy the Guys From Podcast, tell anyone you can, any way you can. And the best thing you can do to help us get the word out there is to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We are available pretty much everywhere podcasts are found, including the Blueberry app, Player FM, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Stitcher. And if there's one that you're on, somehow listening to us now, and it's not there, tell me and I'll fix that so you can not have to listen to this through I don't know, clams? <laughs> hey Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? I mean, we talked about it briefly before um, and I figured it wouldn't come up on either of our podcasts but hey, you should watch or rewatch if you uh, have already watched it once. Reservoir Dogs it's fun, violent, has a uh, speaking of great soundtracks, it is an amazing soundtrack. It was kind of it was basically Quentin Tarantino's first major film. It's definitely worth checking out. Great cast, great soundtrack, like I said. Um, so yeah, check it out or check it out again if you've already done so. Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this roguish podcast, we also write articles on things like music. That's indie music every weekday, throwback tracks on Thursdays, movies, gaming, TV. Hey, there's even something in sports. All right. And where can they find that again? www.theguysfrom.com Oh yeah. For more horror-y stuff, or to see me randomly talk about Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal Lecter on occasion, check out The Dark Half on Instagram. And also, I do this every time, so I won't dwell on it too much, hmm. but if you have not seen something that we have talked about, we obviously vouch for these movies, so you should check it out. But, Dave, I got a surprise for you. What's that? Did you know that there's a series coming to Netflix this month? from Britain called The Frankenstein Chronicles. No. In the middle of the month, the UK series The Frankenstein Chronicles, a horror mystery where I believe it's Sean Bean is investigating who may very well be Dr. Frankenstein. Should be coming to Netflix. So I also cool. suggest Dave should check that out when yeah. he's done watching the movies he hasn't seen. <laughs> Oh, so I'll check that. I'll check that that TV show out in like three years. <laughs> Twenty twenty one. Gonna Booyah. be a <laughs> <laughs> special thanks to the Sweets for our wonderful opening music. You can check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com, and also special thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech for our takeout music today. And always, it's called Fearless First, and today's ad music is called Fireflies and Stardust. This has been episode 205 of the Guys From Podcast. I'd listen to this podcast. Totally. I'd listen to this podcast so hard. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Dave. Have a great week, everybody. The Guys From Podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing but me being completely willing to make a Buffalo Bill reference in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>